Good morning, everyone. Um, James and Cindy and family is in Louisiana today. They are celebrating with family and friends. I understand they have a family function going on and a wedding and all that kind of good stuff, so they're partying a little bit. And so a little, little earlier this week, James called me and he goes, uh, or he pulled me aside and he says, Hey, man, uh, you ever feel like sharing in the class? And I looked at him and smiled. And I said, Do I ever? You know? <laughs> and uh, so anyway, he asked me to share this morning and I seized the opportunity. Now, listen, all of us could share. We're all full of the gospel, all right? We're full of the Spirit. As believers, He continually fills us. We are full and overflowing. It's kind of like what I share with people. It's one thing to drink from a little bubbling brook. It's another thing from a continuous fire hydrant. And that's how we are when we're connected in union with the living God. We are like fire hydrants just spewing forth the wonderful living water. And so every time you get an opportunity, if James or anybody pulls you aside and says, Hey, Jack, how about sharing today? Don't turn down the opportunity. Because what you have to share will enrich your, all, everybody else. It will ensure, ensure my life. And guess what? It really enriches you. Because when you, really, when you start communicating verbally what's inside of the fire hydrant, you find out what you're really made of. <laughs> in a true sense of the word. But thank you for, for uh, praying for them while they're traveling for their safety and provision. But I really believe that we have another supernatural time this morning. And I want us to just... Uh, pray, and we're not asking the Lord to show up. He's here. He's with us. We just simply ask him, him, him to validate the reality of what we're going to see today as we look into the Word and as we encourage one another in faith. Okay? So, let's pray. And uh, that is quite an interesting uh, backdrop, I tell you. <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you so much for your constant, continual love toward us. No matter where we find ourselves, whether alone, whether with a friend or family or family loved ones, with business relationships, Lord, even if we find ourselves in foreign contexts, we know that you are with us. Today, Father, we are so blessed to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. Whether we are in wilderness or in the oasis, we hear you because, Father, you continually speak. So, Lord, heighten our sensitivity. Allow our hearts to be more and more aware of the incredible goodness that you desire to share with and through us today. We submit these things to to you, Lord. And just as James has been sharing over the last few weeks, it's kind of like the loaves and fishes. We're coming back for more, and the miracle continues. You multiply. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Saints said, Amen. Amen. All right. Now, James says more in about 10 minutes than most people say in 10 years. I'm not sure I'm going to say a whole lot. (laughs) I'm going to give it my best shot. I had one of my boys, uh, we took him to take his SAT, uh, Tully, he's one of the the fellows at the soundboard today. We took him for his SATs, or ACTs, was it Hazel, the other day, on the way. uh, He's getting ready to graduate high school, and we're trying to get him qualified for 
uh, a scholarship and a grant for college and all that kind of good stuff. And we've been homeschoolers all of our lives, and so it's really exciting whenever we take them to this formatted experience. And on the way, he goes, Dad, I'm really anxious about this whole thing. And we continue to encourage him and say, Son, just go in there, read what you need to read, do what you need to do, give it your best shot. So guess what? I'm here today taking my ACT. I'm going to give it my best shot, okay? (laughs) Uh, Here we go. All right. I was reading a passage of Scripture this this past week, and as a matter of fact, you may want to, if you have a copy of Scriptures with you, you may want to turn in the book of Acts, or, or let's make it John, John 16. We hear, when we come to this class and when we go into the main meeting, we're constantly being stirred in our hearts about the reality of what God is doing and continues to do in our lives as believers. And some of the things that we're hearing afresh in the Holy Spirit are causing us to question things that we've heard in the past. We're having to literally eat the meat and spit out the bones. And sometimes we find ourselves, we've been fed some big bones in the past, (laughs) especially when it comes to our religious thinking especially when it comes to our, the trappings that we have in relationship to our walk with God now as to where we were 10 or 12 years ago. All of this is just the result of God's continual work of grace toward us in our lives. He knows what we're able to handle, and He'll let us continually be fed only to that which will not gag and force us to pass away. Okay? He's the giver of life. He's not going to choke us to death. All right? So today, as we go to this passage in John... I want us to, I'm probably going to wind up doing kind of a scattergun deal because at the end, hopefully, I tend to get a little long-winded, but hopefully I want to try to open it up so that we can kind of interact here just a little bit. Because there's a lot of truths that I've come into over the course of the last 20 years after hearing about the finished work of Christ that as I I began to meditate on these truths and uh, ponder them in, in my heart before the Lord, whether I was driving down the interstate, you know, in my work vehicle, going, God, what about this? And the Lord would say, this is the truth. You know, I'd say, whoa, that's a life changer. I, there's these truths that we've been exposed to that these truths not only have changed our life in the past, but we're still living in truth that's continuing to change us. We're moving from faith to faith, from of little faith to greater faith. We're really, we are growing in our faith. And it's not because God has changed, it's because God is changing us. Change is here to stay, guys. That's part of our growth process. So kind of a scattergun approach may be today that I'm probably going to kind of blurb on the board if I get a chance. Maybe one, two, three, maybe four, five truths that have really hit me broadside and changed my whole perspective of God. You may relate to some of them. Some of them may be true, uh, uh, virtually new to you. But there are truths. This list could be uh, inexhaustible. I mean, there are truths that God's working out in your life. You could come up here and say, add this truth to the list. You see? Well, add this truth to the list. Brother, add this truth to the list. You know why? Because the truth himself is at work in us continually. You see? And truth, as James said last week, will continually set us free. You shall know the truth. And when you know Jesus, who said to his, to, in, in a, the context of relating to, to an individual, he said, I am the way, I am the truth. You want to know the way? Here I am. You want to know the truth? Here I am. 
You want life? Here I am. You see, he was continually taking the responsibility of who he was and then giving us the responsibility of responding to him. And that's what, what makes us who we are. You see. So, John 16. Let's take a look at that passage. Somebody tell me the context of John 16 from your familiarity with that passage. What's going on here? Anybody? Anybody? What's happening? Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, a lot of people call this the Last Supper. I call it the supernatural setup. I call it divine dining. Because here's the, here's the apostles who have been walking, him for, walking with him for three years. They've been continually growing. And he's always told them. He says, now there are certain things I can't tell you right now. Because if I told you, it would blow your mind. You'd short circuit. And you'd really think I was from another world. Which I am, he said. But anyway, they came to a place in this experience right before the the ultimate betrayal and he was going to be taken away by the guards to be led to his interrogation to his flogging and ultimately his death he didn't let him in all that because the bible says that if the if they would have known the secret that was taking place they would not have crucified the christ so he wasn't willing to give away the divine the design right there But he continued to dine with them. He continued to interact. And part of that interaction is found in John 16. And I'd like to start with verse 12. Listen to what he has to say. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples now. The fellows that were very, very close to him. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. I mean, he's been with them for three years. They've been eating and dining with him. And he says, i got a lot more I want to say. But even now, I can't tell you everything. But when he, he changes the dynamic right here. He begins to point them in another direction. They're talking face to face with the the personality and the person of truth itself. Truth is about to tell them some more truth. He's going to bring a revelation to them that is going to, again, short-circuit them. And their response is says, we don't understand this. But listen to what Jesus himself now says to his disciples. Verse 13. But when he, not speaking of himself now, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The dynamic is changing. They're going, well, wait a minute. You just told us. We've been hearing you teach and talk, and you're telling us you're the truth, and you've been telling us things, and now you're saying He, the Spirit of truth, when He comes, He's going to lead us into all truth. He's getting a little fuzzy with them, all right? Let's read on. He will not speak of His own, speaking of the Spirit, but the Spirit will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He, speaking of the Spirit, will bring glory to me, speaking of himself, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Now remember, Jesus said, I only tell you what the Father's told me. And now he's saying to the saints, what's about to happen is the person that's coming to you next 
is going to tell you what the Father told me and I've told you and he's going to confirm it and he's going to tell you more. I'm going to lead you into additional and more truth. That's what he's talking about right here. All right. Verse 15. All that belongs to the Father is mine. He's speaking of his relationship between the Father and himself. For the Father has given me everything. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Guys, we're in a win-win situation. Because the Spirit of God, Jesus Himself is teaching His, his, his uh, disciples now something that we are already, of access, it's accessible to us, and it's a reality if we just comprehend what's going on here with our brains a little bit, just reason it, so that our hearts will go, Whoa! Because the reality is in our heart. It just hasn't really exploded yet. Our, listen, our brains are being renewed. A function of the brain is reason. The function of the spirit is revelation. You see? And as our brains are going, how can this be? The supernatural steps in and goes, because I'm God, I'm going to tell you how it can be. You see? That's what revelation is all about. Now, reading on in verse 16. In a little while, you will see me no more. Jesus says, I'm about to leave you. You're not going to see me in this physical way anymore. And then after a little while, you will see me. What? The disciples are going to start to get in a quandary. You're going to see me just a little while longer and no more, but, but then you're going to see me in a little while? What does that mean? Guys, don't confuse us. Going on. Next, verse 17. Some of the, his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. And, this is what he conti- Jesus was saying, because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Boy, were they confused. You know why? They did not have the privilege of knowing how, how God had divinely set it up that the impartation of the Holy Spirit was going to be something where we would have union with the living God in the Spirit. They didn't know what the Spirit was all about. They had been told of truth and Jesus would say, Do you believe it? And they would say, Yes, Lord, we believe. Great faith. He would tell them other truths and He, they, he would say, Do you believe it? Yes, Lord, we believe it. We go on and read where he went to the crucifixion. He came through the resurrection. And 50 days later, there were saints in the upper room where the Holy Spirit came and endeared himself to those that were waiting for him. And the Bible makes a plain description of what took place there. And upon that event, something very cataclysmic took place that you and I are both a very vital part of. We're on the other side of the death and resurrection of Christ. We're on the other side of what he was trying to communicate. You're only going to see me for a few more days. You're not going to see me in this this body form. But yet, just a little while after that, you're going to see me. (laughs) 
But your seeing is not going to be just with the physical eye. Yes, I'm going to show you the miraculous. Yes, I'm going to see, give you the opportunity of laying hands on the sick so that people might believe when they recover. Yes, I'm going to give you the opportunity of speaking things that you know not of, and yet I will show up and do, th- do the miraculous. Yes, those things will take place. But greater still, it will be something that will happen that you'll not see with your physical eyes. What you see with your physical eyes will simply be the manifestation of what you have seen with your spiritual eyes. And it becomes internalized. It's a union where your spirit then is divinely joined with the Holy Spirit of God. And the two become one. There is a marriage that takes place. And as the result... This wedding is eternal and continual. And just as James is over there celebrating with family and they have this little experience, guess what? Our wedding is every day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, year after year, century and forever. I tell my wife, life is hard and then I live forever. Listen, it's it's exciting to know that this we have this great treasure in an earth-bound vessel. We've, we're, oh, how good can it get? The Lord set us up, and He's com- communicating this to these disciples. They were scratching their heads. They didn't have it figured out. But we're on the other side of the event. We look back, and sometimes we ask ourselves in our little short condition, mental way, what's the big deal? It's a big, 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 big deal. It's a life changer. It's a world changer. When John the Baptist stood before the people and he pointed to the one that was coming in sandals and he said, Behold! He yelled at the crowd, Look at him! He pointed the way. This is the guy! Behold him! He, the lamb, slain, changing the the world. The sin is not going to be any longer the issue. He takes away the sin of the world. And the best truth that I ever heard over 22 years ago now, I used to wallow in my relationship with God because I was so laced with trying to please God because I thought I was a sinner covered by the blood. But when I found out, yeah, oh God, help us. When I found out that actually we're righteous. Sin is no longer the issue. The Lord has changed the entire game plan. Here's the simple truth. You and I are... Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Sin has been taken away. All right? That means it's no longer in the picture. No more picture. And for anyone to stand up and publicly proclaim the gospel and say, man, you got to deal with the sin in your life, that is not the good news. It is not what God intended from the beginning. The good news is this. I've removed sin now so that you might be joined to me because now you see me not in this realm by sheep and goats that are offered to cover up these things that you could never handle. But what the good news now is I'm coming to dwell within you and I've placed you to dwell within me. We can have continual fellowship and relationship. And now instead of sin 
having, bringing us to a point of trying to live today for God and live to, oh no, I blew it yesterday. No, I'm not in and out of relationship with God. The, two, the, the cool thing about it is, since sin is no longer the picture, what's this fight that I face? Paul calls it the fight of faith. What is it that I'm doing? Why am I even dealing with this whole issue? What is now the issue is that we continue to believe. Believe what? What's the big deal? What am I doing? I'm not dealing with sin. I'm dealing with believing. The fight is to believe. Believe what? That God has taken away all my sin. Sin is no longer the issue. And as a result, the good news is this. You and I are righteous forever and nobody or anything can change that. Not even Satan himself. He's been duped. I love his stuff, man. Oh. Jesus, in the context of walking on the earth, would ask to people that he was talking to, he would say, who do men say that I am? They would say, well, some of these guys over here say that you're a prophet. Uh, I don't know, the guy in the last city up there said, you are a great teacher. Well, who do you say that I am? Well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Scripture goes on to say right after that, how did he know that? Tell me. How did he know it? This, the revelation, that's right. No one told him that. It was the Spirit of Christ at work within him, bringing that revelation and saying, you are the Christ. You told us that. We believe what you've said. We're going to stand on that. You've told us the truth. You've never told us anything that would harm us. We must stand on that. And the truth came and the truth began to set them free in a limited sphere. Folks, I'm here to proclaim to you today that the Spirit of Christ that's resident within you and me will lead us into all truth. All truth. Now, there's, there's tools that are available. Kenny showed me a new book just a little while by Steve McVeigh. 52 lies that uh, are being preached in, in the religious churches, okay? Um, there's a book recently published called The Naked Gospel. I highly recommend these books. They really expose you to things that you've probably, you probably, well, you'll never hear them in the context of the religious church. You never will. Thank God for bodies of Christ that are coming together and are saying, I'm not interested in hearing about what happened years ago in a relationship with God? I want to know right now what God is saying in the face of the earth. And the Holy Spirit sh- shines up. He shows up and he says, here it is. This is what I'm saying. And every one of us are like little fire hydrants going around and he's just pumping and we're pumping it out. It's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Now, I don't want to. Oh, man, it's 10 o'clock already. Here we go. Okay. Okay, the first truth that really hit me hard was the realization that when Jesus does a work regarding salvation, first truth is he has removed the sin of the world. Now, the world may not believe it, but you and I do. And as a result, he looks at us and goes, you know what? Just because you're like Abraham, I'm going to attribute that to you as righteousness. And you go, so what? You know what righteousness means? 
It means the holy, righteous God now has set you up so that he can come to Roby von Kahn and say, Roby, I'm going to dwell in you and you're going to abide in me. Sounds good to me. Oh! <laughs> it's such a truth. It's transforming. Transforming. Another truth that, that began to bubble up in my spirit because I was so into... Remember James last week was talking about law and grace? The mixture of the two. I just can't mix oil and water. You don't want to put the new material, the old material. Another truth that really started transforming my life was the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Never shall the two meet again. The old covenant was a covenant that was cut between God and people. The new covenant had nothing to do with people. The new covenant is cut between Father God and God the Son. We're totally left out of the picture. Why? Because God wanted to ostracize us and beat us? No! He knew if He left it up to us one more time, we were going to continue to blow it. We couldn't do it. And He says, I'm going to take you off the treadmill of performance. You're not going to have to do anything but one thing. I'm going to require one thing of you from here on out. And that one thing is, what I've done requires you to simply accept it and continue to believe it. Do you realize that the old covenant has nothing to offer us? I wouldn't go back there. Oh, Lord. Drowning in muck. Listen, I'm in the asphalt business. When we go in properties that are built in muck pockets, their parking lots are falling in the earth, and it's a big mess. We have to excavate it. We have to pull out the sub-base. We pour concrete slabbing. We put asphalt on top of it. It ain't pretty. It looks worse before it looks better. But guess what? God doesn't go there. He's not into that restoration. He's into total renewal, recreation. That's right. He calls things into being that never existed. Do you believe it? Yes, we do. (laughs) This is a great covenant now, the new covenant. Oh, a covenant that the Father and Son continually share with one another. And this is where our believing says, Ah, we may not see Him in the flesh as the disciples did, and we may not sit at the divine dining, but guess what? Dining continues because now we see Him with eyes of the supernatural. We see Him not with the naked eye, but we experience Him because He's continually leading us into all truth. Does that mean we know all the truth? No. Does that mean we're on our way? Yes. Whoa, we're in a win-win situation. We're in a win-win situation. Another truth that I found, and again, you guys can add to this list big time. There's a major difference between what we call mercy and what we call grace. Hear me. Mercy is for the unrighteous. It is the postponement of judgment because you're guilty. And the mercy of God comes, I love you so much, I'm going to postpone what you really deserve. That's the mercy of God. 
But let me tell you about what we live in. And it's great to experience the mercy of God. And if you're still living under law, you still have, you're still having to wander through that whole experience of the mercy. Oh, God, I need mercy. And all the time he said, I brought something better. The new covenant brings us something better. Here, I am grace. I am truth. Grace, what is that? Whereas mercy is the postponement of judgment, grace is the elimination of judgment. Here, here you are guilty still. You still are under reproach because that's part of the old covenant. But in the new covenant, grace and truth has arised. And when we believe, guess what? God eliminates the judgment and he makes us not guilty. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. That's me and you. And guess what? That means that all the judgment that I used to live under, even in religious circles, trying to figure out, how can God love me? I'm just a moron worm. But God loves me because He has chosen through His Son to eliminate the thing that separated me from Him. And as a result, the good news is this. I'm no longer guilty. I'm righteous and I'm joined forever with the living God by faith through the Holy Spirit. And nobody on the face of the earth can change it. That's good news. Oh, woo, I love this stuff. Our union, our union is continual. There's no broken fellowship with God. We may get out of this meeting this morning and go outside and have a flat tire on our car. We're going to say, oh, why did God allow this? God didn't allow that. You're living in a fallen world. Tires don't stay inflated forever. It's just part of our existence on the planet. But guess what? We are not relegated to this planet. We're out of this world. I've never known anybody that lived forever. But guess what? When we check out, we're living eternal. Right now, you and I are sharing that eternal life. We have the first fruits of that eternal life. Another truth that I just want to simply share, then I want to open it up for a few minutes. Another truth that really has helped change my life. I used to really grapple with the difference between God's will and God's guidance. We hit on this just a few minutes ago. The thing that'll set you free about when God instituted the new covenant, He took away all the things that we were supposed to, the standards, the bars that we were supposed to live up to. Thou shalt not covet. Oh, that's an easy one until I start coveting. Thou shalt not kill. Oh, I never, I'm not, it's not even in my heart. You shall not bear false witness. Oh, you see, God removed that whole thing. Whenever Christ was crucified, he came forth. The Bible says the veil was rent, the law was exposed. Now there was full access to the glory of God. We walk in and to the great grace and mercy seat of God. The unrighteous now becomes righteous. And as a result, God changes His will from obeying the law to simply doing one thing. And what is it? Continuing to believe what God has done in Christ. 
That's the only requirement that the Scripture tells us now as believers that's required of us, that we continue to believe and walk in faith. Wow. It's better than Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> better than Alka-Seltzer. Blop, blop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Oh, but what a, God's will. I'm afraid I'm going to miss God's will. You can't miss God's will. God's will is like falling out of a hot air balloon into the Atlantic Ocean. If you fall, you're going to hit it. You can't miss God's will. Why? Because His will is that you are blessed. His will is that you succeed. His will is that you continually abide in Him. Well, then what about God's guidance? God's will has to do with my believing. God's guidance has to do with my choices. We choose to believe, and we continue to believe. Just because we believe in Jesus, God doesn't take away our ability to make choices. That's part of who He is. That's the way He designed us divinely. He, we constantly have the great privilege of making choices. But the Scripture also lets us know that even in our choices before God, as long as we're being sensitive to the Spirit of Christ resident within us, God's guidance is always our portion. He will never let us down. He will never let us go astray. He will never, never let us do something that is going to totally annihilate or destroy our relationship with Him. One other simple truth is this. Regarding this sin issue, and this comes into God's will and guidance, because I always thought if I missed God's will, I'd be sinning. It has nothing to do with sin or relationship with God. Remember, when Jesus died, this sin that is no more part of the picture, He forgave all separation Past, present, future. How can that be true? Jesus died almost 2,000 years ago. I was born in 59, almost 60 years ago. Jesus died for me and you. Some of you are 22. Some of you are 108. Yeah, we live with it, you know. And there was a point of revelation that took place in our life. And as a result of that revelation, we came to a place where we were encouraged to say, yes, God has redeemed me from sin. He's forgiven me of sin for the past. But then we were told we had to deal with either present sin. What about future sin? I want you to turn with me. Romans chapter 8. Something that we're very familiar with, and we'll wrap it up with this. I'm open to any comments. It's about 10 after 10. We've got a few more minutes. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Here's Paul writing to the church at Rome. 
And they were grappling with this whole thing of how, how to deal with this relationship with God. And here's what he has to pen. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. I am convinced. I like, him. I like it when he says that. Because guess what? We are too. We are convinced. I love this little technology deal here. And I, both hands. Okay. Maybe I have the wrong kind of ear for it. You know. Paul says to the believers, I am convinced that neither death or life. I want to share something with you guys. We're in a win-win situation. Several months ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. And the doctors told me, guess what? You have a short time to live. I said, well, that's exciting. (laughs) Not exactly in that response, but it kind of like throws you a little bit of... Some of you are facing those same experiences. But I want to let you know, this physical existence on the face of the earth has nothing to do with our our relationship with God. Nothing separates us from the love of God. We're in a win-win situation. When we lay down this veil of flesh, guess what? We walk into the incorruptibility of Christ. We're in a win-win situation. I told my wife, which is exciting to me. Yes, sweetheart, I want to live and grow old gracefully with you. And I want to be 108 like the rest of these folks around here. I want to enjoy life. I want to grow up with my grandkids. I want to grow up with my family, celebrate with my boys. However, as Paul said, for me to live is Christ. But to die is gain. Now, we're not joyous and we go, yeah, let's die. Yeah, let's die. No, the cool thing about it is, whatever the Lord chooses to do, we're going to do what is right before Him on the face of the earth. Feed our bodies well, do the right things, work hard as unto Him, continue to share the faith. But when the Lord says it's time to check out, it's not terminal. It's eternal. Lay it down, boys. That's okay. Because guess what? I'm going to go home and celebrate with my earthly father that's now in heaven. Kenny, you're going to celebrate with your dad. You see? And then when Hazel catches up in a few years, guess what? I'm going to be just up there going, come on, babe. (laughs) We're going to dance forever. Why? Because I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present... Nor the present. What's the next one? Nor the future. When Jesus died for you and me, all the sins that you are able to commit and I'm able to commit was in the future. He died for our future. You know what that does? It gives us a future. (laughs) You and I have a great future. Because the Christ himself has made it possible that no longer do we live relegated to just this limited sphere of experience. You and I are spiritual beings and the Lord has designed it that we'll be in union by faith with him forever. Oh, what a party. Oh, we're party animals. We really are. The Lord has made it that way. And he continues in wrapping up. He says, I guess I ought to get back over here to the chapter. Nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Nor anything else in all creation. Nothing else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. (sighs) I can read that scripture over and over and over again and know that I have been, you have been eternally bonded with the living God. The truths are, He's taken away our sin. The truths are, we have a new covenant. The truths are, is we are living in an atmosphere of grace. The truth is, you can't miss the will of God. You live in Him. And there's new truth being revealed continually because the Spirit of Christ within you and within you and within you and within me continually reveals Himself to us in our daily walk on the planet. He's bringing the other world to us here so that he can take us from here to the other world. Oh, the bridge has been built and nobody can tear it down. (laughs) I love it. Hallelujah. These are a few simple truths that radically transform my life. I could go on forever and I'm not. I'm just going to live forever. And you and I both are in the same win-win situation. So listen, let's encourage one another in the faith as often as much as we can. Let's give our faith away to those that even continue not to believe. Let's not run from the opportunity of being able to stir up the faith that's within one another. Let's celebrate the goodness of God when we can worship together. But just remember this. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. How about you guys? Anybody? Is there a truth that's going on in your, your heart right now? A simple truth, a dynamic truth, something that the Lord has just spoken to you in the course of the last week or two, maybe in the last six months, and you're saying, man, this is what I've been meditating on. And make, you know, just try to make it concise, okay? Yeah, I, I, the scripture where um, the woman who had the um, hemorrhage for 12 years and um, she touched Jesus' cloak and was healed. Yes. And I was reading that the other night and I was, it just struck me what the way it's written there and it caused me to think of things it says um, uh, where is it now oh for she thought if I just touch his garment I will get well immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction immediately Jesus perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth turned around in the crowd and said who touched my garments it's like it didn't even require him to um, be cognizant. Faith came in contact, and it happened. It's like it's inevitable when there's faith. It, it's, it's not like she had to ask and then he granted. It just is. When faith comes into contact with God, yes. it happens. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. That's right. We sing that uh, little chorus that says, All that I have is found in you. That's right. He's already planned for everything. All we do is reach out and touch him. Mm-hmm. Bam, there it is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was a little concerned yesterday. Although I, I believe I know the truth. I've been witnessing to a, a Jewish man who is a Buddha. He doesn't believe in God or heaven or hell. I mean, he's in the pits, but I still continue to, uh, to witness whenever I can. Now, I was talking to somebody in the church that I go on Saturday, and I was telling him about this because there's more to the story. And this man told me that I'm not supposed to witness to a Jew 
especially an American Jew. Yeah. I said, where's he coming from? Uh-huh. He says, Paul said, do not touch the Jew. And I think that's wrong because I don't see people as Jewish, Chinese, or whatever. Right. I just see them as his lost soul. That's right. That's right. right. You, you are correct. Oh, the scripture does not say that we are to uh, choose an individual, uh, choose a particular ethnic group. No, the Bible says that he has died for the entire human experience. No matter what race, color, creed, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. You know, Buddhist, Hindu, whatever you want to be, doesn't matter to thee. You know, we just go for it. Share your faith. Give it away. Anybody else? Yes. Lou? I was recently in North Carolina. I spent uh, three weeks up there, and I went to church with my girlfriend, who is Episcopalian. And um, after church, after the service, we went to a um, down to um, a little Bible study that's called Coffee and Conversation, where they were studying the grace of God. And which I didn't realize I was going to get in trouble. But anyway, um, in this very conservative church in North Carolina. So as we were descending the stairs, I said to my girlfriend, I said, I just hope that I keep my mouth shut and that I don't say anything. Well, that lasted about two seconds when we got in there. But anyway, um, we were sitting there and they were going around the room and they were talking about... um, how um, everyone is, you know, saved, and that they thought that that everyone should um, they lived under the grace of God, and and I was just sitting there trying to behave, and um, finally <coughs> they were talking about the old covenant, and they were talking about the new covenant, and they were talking about forgiveness of sin, and finally I just had to say. Um, my belief is that we don't live under the old covenant anymore. That Jesus died on, died on the cross for us, and he said, it is, when he was crucified, his last words were, it is done. He died for our sins. He's, the man said, it is done. It is done. We live under the new covenant. Well... That started a big problem because, and, and there were other things that we discussed, but this one man, his retort to that was, well, I take confession every week, and we have to confess our sins. And so I said to him at one point, I said, you know, I said, you really don't need to do that. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he said, well, I just can't imagine doing that. I said, well, it's kind of your responsibility. Uh, it's kind of your responsibility. You know what, you know, we're all sinners. God knows we're all sinners, but we've been forgiven for those sins. You don't have to run around and say you're a sinner all the time. You know, Jesus, God loves you. He, you know, you, we live in the grace of God, and you can tap into that anytime you choose to. It's your free will to do that. Well, uh, after church, the next, the next few days, I ran into another lady, and she said, boy, she said, you really started something in this town. And I thought, okay, 
I said, well, I didn't keep my mouth shut, did I? So then the next week we went to church, and um, the lady had said something about, well, I, I was really upset last week, and I've never heard such blasphemy in all my life. And my only thought was, you know what, I wonder if that's how Jesus felt. When he was telling the truth and the Pharisees were, you know, saying blasphemy and, you know, I thought that's a really strong word. So after the coffee and conversation was over with, this woman gets up and she comes to me and she says to me, she said, you know, I was really upset last week. And I said, well, I said, I'm really sorry that I offended you. And I said, but I said, I go to this church in, uh, you know, where I live. And I said, and it's called... um, I said, what, we, what they teach there is all about the grace of God. And I hugged her, and I said, I th- she said, well, I really felt that was blasphemy. And I said, you know, I said, blasphemy is a very strong word. And she said, well, I was brought up Southern Baptist. And I said, oh. And I said, well, I said, I didn't mean to offend you. I said, but we do live under the grace of God. And I said, I told her, I I said, Jesus did die on the cross for us, and he did say, it is done. Amen. Absolutely. Listen, don't be ashamed of sharing the gospel. Just right out there. When people ask, go for it. Okay? I felt bad for her. I wasn't offended. I wasn't... I I understand. Because, listen, you're not responsible for a people's response to the truth. Remember, Jesus said, I am the truth. And when we are filled with Him, given the wisdom of God, we share what we have and let leave it up to the Lord to do the work. Don't try to tweak people. We just live in the reality of that incredible scripture there in John where we just continue to abide and the privilege then is that we simply are living a divinely prepared lifestyle that lets us rest and allows us to be led into continued truth. Just live it. Enjoy it. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of looking in the Word and seeing the written Word confirm the living Word as you are within us. Lord, we thank you that the pages led us to you. And now, Father, the pages just confirm you. Thank you, Lord, for letting us look into these scriptures today. Thank you for the lives that are being transformed. And thank you for the privilege of leaving this place, walking out into all the relationships that you've established in our sphere of influence. And we continue to live a supernatural day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a great day.